1: hello and welcome to the mummy movie podcast where in this episode we shall be looking at time walker from 1982. for the layout of the episode i'm sure most of you now know the drill we'll start with a look at the background information on the film then there will be a section on the historical accuracy and finally i shall review the film right you are a student of Egyptology given the chance to work on a newly discovered sarcophagus hidden in the tomb of Tutankhamun. During your examination, you discover five ancient jewels in a compartment in the sarcophagus. You steal them, hoping they will pay off your debts. However, little do you know that you have just awoken the Time Walker. In this first section, as said, I'll just go over the background information on the film. It's worth noting that that bit at the end of the introduction is only part of the story. The mummy in the story actually comes to life because it gets blasted with quite a lot of radiation by mistake. The budget for the film was $750,000, which after inflation comes to $2.3 million or just about that amount anyway, just under. For the most part, the film was filmed in California State University and the surrounding areas. And it was also around this area you got quite a few complaints from parents who took their children to see the film. This isn't that surprising, to be honest, because I could see this film being quite scary for a younger audience. And also, there is some nudity in the film, which I thought, automatically made a film in a 15, but admittedly I haven't had to worry about age ratings for quite a while. I mean, not to boast, but I can see as many 15s as I want. You know, and even 18s is okay as well. However, when this film came out in the UK, it was actually legitimately given a 15 rating. Interestingly, out of all of the films I've reviewed so far, this is the only one that has anything to do with aliens as well. And in general, when it comes to films at least, I can't even think of any ancient Egyptian-based films before this point that were to do with Aliens either. Although I do know that there were some like early episodes of Star Trek and things like that that talked about the subject. In terms of the cast, Ben Murphy uh, plays Professor Douglas McCadden, who's kind of the main character. Nina Axelrod plays Susie Fuller. Kevin Brovery plays Peter Sharp. And my favourite named person in the film is Bob Random, who plays Jack Parker. Okay, okay, okay. It's time for the historical accuracy section of this episode. Will this film be accurate? Well, considering it's about aliens in ancient Egypt, I'm going to say it's not off to a good start. But hey, who knows, it might surprise us. First things first, I, I found the sarcophagus in the film pretty funny. Um, on the side, it's got an image of a bird, and it's clearly supposed to be the depiction of a god, but it's very, very funky looking, to put it the least. The head looks a bit like a pigeon, but I'm going to guess it's supposed to be a falcon, and it's supposed to represent Horace. However, the bottom half of the god looks a lot more like Necbet, So, I don't know if you remember the episode on the blood from the mummy's tomb, where I talked about how, in images of Necbek, she often held the Shen Rings, which symbolised eternal protection. These are also present in this god, so it's like they've kind of got two gods mixed up. In fairness, in Egypt, especially in the New Kingdom, when Tutankhamun was ruling, they, they did occasionally combine two gods together. So, for instance, you'd get, well, I'm sure you've heard of the sun god Ra, and you've heard of the god Aemon, and you've heard of the god Aemon-Ra. That's basically where they just put the two gods together. Although there is some debate as to why this was done, for Aemon-Ra, it was kind of believed that Ra would enhance Aemon Basically, it kind of interpreted him as the mysterious manifestation of Ra. And it also, in my opinion, also linked the two cult centres. Because you see, Ra had his cult centre at Heliopolis, whilst Eamon had his cult centre at Thebes. So it just kind of linked those two places a bit as well. Anyway, getting off of topic again. I really need to stop doing that. Essentially, the point I'm making is whilst... It wasn't uncommon for the Egyptians to combine gods together. That I know of, Nekbet and Horus were never combined. That just was never done. This next point, uh, I feel like I cover it in every episode at the moment. <laughs> but once again, they have the name of the deceased on the sarcophagus in a cartouche. As I'm sure many of you are aware, a cartouche is a depiction of a ring of rope with the pharaoh's name written in it. It was only used for the pharaoh and occasionally for some royal family members, but mainly just the pharaoh. As this individual was not the pharaoh, he wouldn't have had his name in a cartouche. If you want to hear more about this, literally just listen to any of the last three or so episodes that I've done. (laughs) I also find it quite funny that they make it known that the sarcophagus was found in the tomb of Tutankhamun. It was basically hidden in there. And yet they don't open the sarcophagus until it's flown all of the way back to california so how would they know they're not doing damage to anything in the actual sarcophagus why why would they not leave it on the site there's so many questions that get raised here oh well, i mean that we know the answer realistically it's because of budget it was cheaper to do this film in california let's face it normally for quite elite burials You'd get a sarcophagus, and then you get three coffins inside the sarcophagus, almost like Russian dolls, with the body of the deceased in the smallest one. However, in this film, when they open the sarcophagus, there's just a perfectly cut-out section in the actual sarcophagus where the body's laying. No one in the room seems surprised by this in the slightest. And then... They even go as far as to say, oh, this was a really rushed burial. I'm sorry, but if a sarcophagus was found with a perfect cutout for the body, like, that would just be insane. It'd be amazing. (laughs) Apparently, though, they think the burial... Yeah, I cannot speak. Apparently, though, they think the burial is really rushed because the bandages are so deteriorated. I mean, you can just see they're not. There are far worse preserved bodies in ancient Egypt. And also, just because the bandages are deteriorated, it doesn't mean it's a rushed burial. There could be a number of reasons why they might be deteriorated. Dr. Douglas then goes on to say that it may be that he was buried quickly because he had smallpox or something like that. There is actually evidence for smallpox in Egypt, in fairness, so yeah, I'll give the film a point for that i suppose it may sound strange that i'm not going to go into more detail in the historical accuracy for this film but again i have i'm aware these episodes are getting quite long and to be honest with you although there are other things i'd like to mention there's not a lot in terms of history this film really doesn't focus on it um finally professor douglas says that the mummy has been there for three thousand years Realistically, The Mummy would have been there for about 3,500 years, but again, I'd say this is close enough. It, it's quite, you know, it, that fine, basically. As you can probably guess, there's very little accuracy in this film, and if there is any accuracy, it's more due to coincidence, to be honest. Now we shall move on to the review of the film. As usual, I'll go over the parts I enjoyed first. Firstly, I actually did quite enjoy the atmosphere in the film. It wasn't so much dark or mysterious as so much it felt a bit like... Do you remember the old Goosebumps series from the 90s? That is the vibe this film gives out. And I'm not going to lie, I used to love the Goosebumps. You know, viewer beware, you're in for a scare and all of that awesome stuff. Uh, maybe I'm a bit old for it now, I'm not sure. No, you're never too old for it. Um, I will say, towards the end of the film, one of the characters named Susie gets chased by the mummy, and the chase scene is actually pretty exciting as well. It goes on for a while, and there is a particularly cool, although admittedly quite cheap-looking part, where the mummy bursts up through the floor of an elevator. And that bit looked really good. Well, no, it didn't, but it was a good idea. Um, I also thought, in general, the story did show some promise, even if it didn't entirely achieve it. It did have the chance of being quite a charming 80s film, but it was just kind of bogged down by one too many things. I kind of feel the film would have worked better as a series, in a way, because there were quite a few separate but connected stories and they were all quite similar where maybe if it was a series each of them could have been worked on a bit more. Apparently this was actually made with the intention of a series coming from it so maybe in a way it's kind of a shame that that never happened. Okay I shall now move on to the parts that I liked for the wrong reason. So mostly the bits that I just found funny. Firstly a large part of this story is about five jewels being stolen from the sarcophagus of the mummy, and then they're basically given to different characters in the film. That's kind of what I, what I was talking about when I was saying it maybe would have worked as a series, because maybe they could have had each episode being about one of those different jewels. However, I found it quite funny that the jewels were clearly quite cheap, and that everyone in the film thought they were, like, lovely and amazing, and they also didn't seem to have any problem whatsoever with the fact that the jewels glowed when the mummy got near them. They were just like, oh look at it, it glows. That won't be annoying at all. I'm, I'm sorry, but a glowing bit of jewellery. It sounds like something my niece might like, to be honest with you, and she's what, like 10? I mean, you know, not that I have a problem with people liking this kind of thing. If you do, fine, but I don't know, it's just something I generally associate more with children, I suppose. Secondly, there's one part in the film where Professor Douglas just kind of almost quite randomly proposes that the mummy comes from space because the fungus they found on it is like they've never seen before. This feels like quite a leap, and then we're supposed to just be like, oh, these professionals not believing him. He's given no evidence. I also feel like this part kind of portrays how little thought out this film is. Because immediately after this scene, they they find out that if you shine light through any of the jewels, you get diagrams for like radios and things like that in them. So again, that's evidence for the ancient Egyptians knowing about technologies far beyond their time period. So why not just switch those scenes over so that he at least has a bit more evidence and, oh, that fungus is a bit weird. Finally, in the section, when Susie gets chased by the mummy, he basically grabs the jewel off her and she accidentally falls down and smashes her head on the ground. And when she's in hospital later, she, she says that the mummy wasn't trying to hurt me, it just wanted its jewel back. Earlier in the film, We see the mummy take the jewel from someone else, and then punch him into a wall. That guy then dies on impact as he hits the wall. So, I'm sorry, but the mummy was trying to hurt people intentionally. There's no way around that. Right, now I'm going to go on to the parts of this film I just didn't like at all. Firstly, much like with the Dawn of the Mummy which I reviewed last time, the lighting and the camera work in this film is pretty awful. I actually had to turn the brightness of my TV up to watch this film, which is a bit ridiculous. And half the time, like, it just felt like the camera didn't know where it was supposed to be focusing. In general, when it comes to the pacing of the film, it's pretty slow and plodding as well. And as I was saying earlier, where you could have just switched those two scenes over, there's a lot of bits like that that just feel like it could have all just had a bit of a shuffle round. Let's put it that way. However, even with a shuffle round, it wouldn't have stopped the fact that all of the characters had very little personality. You don't really get to know them. And to be honest with you, many of them look really similar to one another. This can be pretty confusing, especially when you take into account that there are multiple stories over each of these duels and all of the stories are also quite similar to one another usually they're just a guy has the jewel and he gives it to his girlfriend as a present or maybe a guy has the jewel and he gives it to a girl he fancies or a guy has the jewel and no no they're literally the two stories because the other person gives it to his girlfriend as well never mind but again i'll go back to what i was saying earlier if this had been a series maybe more focus could have been put onto these different jewels, and we could have gotten a bit more variety with these storylines, maybe something a bit more imaginative. A few of the characters also have feuds in this film and it's never really explained why. So for instance, you have the character Peter Sharp and for no reason he hates a guy called Jack Parker to the point where at one point he even accuses him of murdering someone it's never explained why they have an issue and the other than jack parker can look a little bit creepy sometimes that that just seems it i don't know maybe that's good enough it's not good enough for me to be honest um finally i will just say that the acting in this film was really bad and i will admit occasionally this was in a funny way but most of the time it just came across as a bit annoying. When it came to the critical reviews for this film they were very poor and most of them did focus on how boring and badly acted this film was i can't deny that i agree it was it wasn't a good film and at the end of the film when you see the alien which i admit, i will admit the alien looked hysterical and if you do watch this film at all maybe just watch that scene um The film ends with a big to-be-continued, and I let out an audible groan, because I thought I had to watch another film like this. Fortunately, that film was never made, so yay! (sighs) Look, I, I know I say this quite a lot, but I get it if you like this film. There is some perceived charm here, and... Well, I mean, I liked Dawn of the Mummy last week, which admittedly, isn't a particularly good film in itself, it's just bad in the ways that I like, so I get it, basically. However, for me, I have to give this film a 3 out of 10, because it's not as bad as, say, like Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. The plot does at least make sense, but I still didn't particularly like it. Thank you very much for listening. And, you know, please consider following, liking, leaving a comment, subscribing, all of that, Uh, because it really does help me and it really helps the podcast. And please join me next week when we shall be looking at The Tomb from 1986, another film that has pretty bad reviews, but I will admit the front cover looks so, so 80s that I'm sort of excited to watch it. Please join me then.